You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. We pray this message encourages you today. Thanks for listening. Today we're in part three of a series that we've been in for the past few weeks called What's the Point? And this series is actually inspired by a book that our good friend, Pastor Matt Keller, wrote called Donkey Mission. We'll talk about the the name of that book in just a moment. But we're talking about this idea of finding purpose when life seems pointless. Finding purpose in those seasons of life where it's like, God, why am I going through this? This seems pointless. Those, those seasons that seem, uh, that seem like they don't have much of a rhyme or reason. Here's what I want you to know today. I want to encourage you that God is working behind the scenes of your life. Amen? Like we sang a moment ago, even when we can't see it, he's working. Even when we can't feel it, he's working. And so we believe that God is working in your life. And so this series is based on a story that's found in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel about a guy named Saul who became the first king of Israel. But before he could become king, he was sent out on a special mission to retrieve his father's lost donkeys. Thus the name Donkey Mission. And in this seemingly pointless mission, God actually uses it to steer him toward the greater mission for his life because he ends up at the end of his journey being anointed the first king of Israel. And so each week we've been looking at this story and we're focusing on a different aspect of this story from Saul's life that has the potential to help us in our journey, in our story. And so today I want to talk to you about something that I believe has the potential to keep us from realizing our God-given purpose. I want to talk to you about excuses. Come on, everybody say excuses. When's the last time you made an excuse? You probably can't even remember why. Because we make excuses so often, we don't even realize it at times. In fact, uh, according to a recent study that polled 2,000 people, the average American will make 2,190 excuses a year. That is six excuses per day on average. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put some of the results of this research on the screen. I want to give you the top five most common excuses And we're going to have a little group participation today, okay? I want you to put your hand up if you've ever made one of these excuses. Don't worry, nobody's going to judge you. We're all in this together. Many of these are excuses we've made. But I'm just wondering if anybody can relate to these. So according to research, the top five most common excuses. Here's the first one. Number one, I'm too tired. Come on, how many of you have ever said that? If you're a parent in the room, your hand is definitely up. I'm too tired. Number two, I don't have enough money. How many of you ever said that before? I don't have enough money. Okay, some of you are rich. If your hand's not up, we want to be more like you. (laughs) Number three, I don't have enough time. We've all said that one before. How many of you said that one? I don't have enough time to get to it. Number four, it's too inconvenient. How many of you have said that before? Now, that's one that I don't think we always say out loud, but I think sometimes we think that to ourselves. It's just too inconvenient. Number five, I'm too forgetful. Anybody? Some of you are like, I don't know, I forgot. When was the last time I said it? <laughs> Too forgetful. Okay, so here's the other thing is, according to research, top, the top four most common situations leading to excuses. So these are the situations where we tend to make excuses. Tell me if these resonate. Number one, how many of you excuse away running errands? Like you look at all the errands you have to do, and you just get overwhelmed, and you find excuses not to even do it. That was the first one, number one on the list. Number two, exercise. Hello, your alarm clock goes off early in the morning and you start telling yourself all the reasons why you can't get out of bed and go to the gym. Happens to the best of us. How about number three, healthy eating? 
Excuses about healthy eating, right? Do I eat the pizza or do I eat the Brussels sprouts? Pastor Jeremy, I'm Italian. I eat the pizza. <laughs> it's New York. We're all Italian, okay? Excuses. Honorary Italians. Number four, social events. Where are the introverts at? You're looking for excuses to get out of heaven to go to whatever you got invited to. <laughs> That's going to drain your energy. Well, we can laugh at ourselves as we look at this list, but I think we can all recognize that many of the excuses that we're making in life are actually holding us back from moving forward. I would say as believers, as followers of Jesus, many of the excuses that we're making are actually holding us back from moving into God's best for our lives, from moving into the purpose that he's given us, the calling that he's placed in our hearts. And so here's the big idea today, church. Your purpose lies just on the other side of your excuses. Your purpose lies just on the other side of your excuses. Today, this is what we're going to see as we look at the life of King Saul and we review our story. So let's jump back into it. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Here's what it says. It says, there was a Benjamite, a man of standing whose name was Kish. Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. Come on, Saul was a good-looking guy. He was tall. He was handsome. He had a lot of potential. God's hand was on his life. It says, now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost, and Kish said to his son Saul, take one of the servants with you and go and look for the lost donkeys. So, Saul's father comes to him and says, hey, Mr. Tall, Dark, and Handsome, you got all this potential. I got a job for you, okay? I want you to go find one of my servants and go find these lost donkeys. So they take off, and it's not going well. I'll summarize a few verses. They end up kind of going in circles. They go to four different places, and they're finding no donkeys at all. No luck finding these lost donkeys. Then they reach a place called Zuth, and look at what happens next in verse 5. When they reach the district of Zuth, Saul said to the servant who was with him, come, let's go back or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. At this point in time, Saul wants to quit this donkey mission. He's had enough of it. He's ready to quit. He's ready to go home. But thankfully, his servant has another idea. Look at this, verses six through seven. But the servant replied, look, in this town, there is a man of God. He is highly respected, and everything he says comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us which way to take. Saul said to his servant, but if we go, what can we give to the man? The food in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? All right, so here we are in this moment in the story. Saul is ready to give up, and his servant comes up with a legitimate option that will keep them moving forward in their mission. He says, let's go to this town and let's visit the man of God. Now, the man of God was actually the prophet Samuel, who was the greatest prophet in all of the land. In fact, he's one of the greatest prophets in all of the Old Testament. And here's his servant, has this really good idea. And how does Saul respond? He responds with an excuse. Church, I want to give you three thoughts on our excuses. Are you ready? If you're a note taker, I want to invite you to get out a pen and paper, get out your phone. Let's take some notes today. Three thoughts on our excuses. Here's the first one. Number one, excuses always begin with but. Everybody say, but. First Samuel chapter nine, verse seven. Saul said to his servant, but if we go, what can we give the man? See, when Saul's servant offers a, a possible solution to the problem, a really good idea. The first thing out of Saul's mouth is, but 
but we can't do that. We don't have enough money. We don't have anything. And we can pick on Saul, but don't we also do this quite often? Don't we do this all the time? We, we make excuses. We know something we need to do, but we follow it up with but, and then we make an excuse, right? I know I need to exercise, but I'm so tired. I know I need to eat healthy, but I don't have enough time to cook. I know I need to save money, but my kids want all of this stuff. Come on, I know I need to get to those projects around the house, but this is what we do. And sometimes we do it even when it comes to our purpose, who God is calling us to be, the children of God, the sons and daughters of God. But I don't have time to pray or read my Bible or make it to church every Sunday. How many of you have that thing on your to-do list that's been there Forever, And every time you look at it, you just find yourself making excuses about it. For me, as I thought about this, I thought of two, two categories. First of all, I thought about going to the doctor. I'm a typical guy. Like, I never want to make appointments to go to the doctor for, like, anything. I'm not afraid of the doctor. Or just, just, like, I don't, know if, I don't know if it's a guy thing or what. I read some research one time that said married men tend to actually live longer than single men because their wives force them to go to the doctor. <laughs> The other one I think about is fixing things around the house. You know, I'm not Mr. Fix-It. I can fix things that I have to. I can look it up on YouTube and figure out how to do it, but I don't gravitate toward that. So, you know, sometimes I just find myself making excuses of why I can't fix something around the house. Here's the reality. If we want to make an excuse about something, we can always find an excuse. If you, if you want to find an excuse for just about anything, you can always find an excuse. Here's the second thing we know about excuses. Number two, excuses come from three places. Pride, fear, and a scarcity mindset. Pride comes from three places, and we're going to see this in the story. Pride, fear, and a scarcity mindset. First of all, let's talk about pride. Did you catch the thought process that started to kick in when, uh, with Saul when he wanted to quit? Look at this again in verse 5. He says to his servant, come, let's go back. My father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. Saul started focusing more on himself than on the mission his father had given him. And isn't this what we do when we find ourselves in a, in a donkey mission season of life? Isn't it easy for our ego to kick in? And we find ourselves saying things like, this is beneath me. I deserve better than this. I shouldn't have to do this. This is so humiliating. In part one of this series, we talked about how a donkey mission, a season of life that seems kind of pointless, will definitely test your patience. It will test your humility. And it's easy in those seasons of life to start getting our, more, more focus on ourselves than on what God is calling us and leading us to do or who God is leading us to become. Let me tell you another way that pride manifests itself in our excuses, and that is in when we start blaming other people. Come on, that's one of the most common excuses out there to point fingers at other people. The reality is it's a lot easier to blame other people than it is for you to take responsibility for your stuff, isn't it? It's a lot easier to start blaming other people than to take responsibility for where we are in life and what we did to contribute to our current circumstances. And so what do we do? We start blaming coworkers. How many of you have ever been, I know you've never done this, but how many of you have ever been blamed by a coworker for something? We start blaming our coworkers, married people. We start blaming our spouses. I'll confess, sometimes I do this to Amy. I just start blaming her for things and she'll call me out on it every now and then. She'll say, hey, you need to take responsibility. Quit making excuses, be a big boy and take responsibility for what you need to get done. And you know what I say in those moments? Yes, ma'am, you're right. <laughs> 
We start blaming our parents. We start blaming someone who hurt us. Um, And listen, I'm not trying to minimize what others may have done to you. Some of you have experienced some real pain that set you back in life. But at some point in time, church, we got to swallow our pride. We got to get really honest about what we've contributed to our current circumstances, what we've done to get us where we are. And we got to stop blaming other people. I know somebody hurt you. I know somebody took advantage of you. And I'm not trying to minimize that. But at some point in time, church, we've got to experience healing and we've got to take responsibility for what we can take responsibility for. We've got to get moving forward. We've got to get moving forward into God's calling and purpose for our lives. Here's what I know for sure. None of us like it when people blame their stuff on us. We've got to stop doing that to other people. Excuses come from pride, but they can also come from number two, fear. Come on, everybody say Fear. When the servant offers a viable option to to Saul to keep moving forward, notice how he responds in verse 7. Saul said to his servant, but if we go, what can we give the man? What can we give to the man of God? The food in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? See, Saul's initial response is to be fearful. It's one of fear. He's worried about what the prophet is going to think to him. If, think of him if he shows up with nothing to offer the man of God, if he shows up empty-handed. See, it was customary during this time that when you sought out the prophet, when you sought out the man of God, that you brought a gift to honor him for his time, to honor him for his wisdom. And so Saul's thinking, what is you know, Samuel going to think of me if I show up with nothing to give to him? And so often our excuses are motivated by fear and we don't even recognize it. We just find ourselves saying things like, what will people think of me? Or we can't afford that. Or I don't have anything to wear, so I can't go. Or I don't want to inconvenience anyone. What what causes these excuses? It's all fear. It's fear. And two of the most common fears that cripple us are fear of rejection and fear of failure. Two of the most common fears that we face that can hold us back, that can keep us moving forward into the purpose that God has for our lives. Fear of rejection and fear of failure. You see, Saul, he was afraid that if he showed up to meet the prophet without a gift in hand, that he would be rejected. He actually visualized, he saw himself showing up to Samuel and Samuel rejecting him because he had nothing to give. And I just wonder how often have we allowed the fear of what someone would think of us to keep us from pursuing something that we were meant to pursue? I wonder how many times we've allowed the fear of rejection to keep us from applying for a job that we should have applied for or to going to our boss and asking for a raise when we know we deserve it or asking someone out because we're afraid they're going to say no to going on a date with us or to making a business proposal. I wonder how many times, church, we've allowed the fear of rejection to keep us from moving forward into what God has for us. Fear of failure is another driving force that, that motivates our excuses. I think often we have this, this sense like, what if I set out to do something and, and I fail? What if I set out to start a new business? What if I set out to change career paths or to take a new job or to, to try a new hobby or to learn something new? What if I step out and I try and, and I fail? And there can be this sense like, I would rather not even try than experience the kind of pain that would come with failing at at that thing that I want to try, the disappointment that would come if I failed at that thing that I dream of doing. And what do we do? We allow the fear of failure to stop us from even trying something that God has for us. And I'm not pointing fingers at you because the reality is I've struggled with fear of failure most of my life. 
And some of you who, who know me, you know that me and my wife have taken some great leaps of faith in our ministry. You might say, Pastor Jeremy, really? I'm surprised to hear that. Let me tell you, most of my life, I've, I've wrestled with a fear of failure. I wrestled with the fear of failure when God called me to quit my teaching job and to go into full-time ministry with my dad, who was a pastor over 20 years ago when I started the ministry. <laughs> I promise you, I was afraid to fail when I moved to Westchester from Western New York to start this church. There was fear of failure. It was real. I was, I was afraid to fail when I had to lead our church through a global pandemic. I, I was afraid of failure when I signed the lease on this building that you're enjoying and sitting in right now when we were in the middle of COVID and there was no momentum. I promise you, I experienced some fear. But church, here's what I've learned. I've learned to just do what God has called me to do even when I'm afraid. And most of the moves, biggest moves I've made in ministry, biggest steps of faith I've taken in ministry, I did them afraid. I just held on to God's presence and moved forward, trusting that God was with me. Here's the good news, church. Jesus came to set us free from fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Come on, Jesus came to set you free from fear. You don't have to allow fear to interfere with every decision you're making in life. Fear doesn't have to impact every decision and motivate every decision. Jesus came to set you free from fear, and he who the Son sets free is free indeed. That's a good spot to say amen, 1230 service. Come on. I need you to help me preach today. God doesn't want you living in fear and fear impacting every, every decision that you have. Excuses come from three places, pride, fear, and number three, a scarcity mentality, a scarcity mentality. See, when the servant offers a great idea to Saul to keep moving forward, Saul saw through the eyes of scarcity instead of faith. Look at verse 7. Saul said to his servant, but if we go, what can we give to the man? What can we give to the prophet Samuel? The food in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? What do we have? What we have is not enough. Essentially, Saul says, like, we don't have bread. We don't have money. Like, what we have, we do not have enough. We don't have enough. And it's interesting that they were both looking at the same situation. Saul and his servant were both looking at the same exact problem, the same situation. But where the servant saw what could be done, Saul saw what couldn't be done. I want you to see this, church. They were both looking at the same problem, same issue. And one saw through the lens of faith and the other saw through the lens of scarcity. One saw what could be done. The other only saw what couldn't be done. And isn't that true for us as well when it comes to the excuses we make? We find ourselves saying things like, my boss won't give me what I need to be successful. My parents don't believe in me, so I can't fill in the blank. Or I don't have enough money. I don't have, I don't have the money, the connections, the resources like they do. We start comparing ourselves to other people and feeling like what we have is not enough. And of course, we're all limited to some extent by time and money, connections and opportunity. But church, I'm talking about a mindset. I'm talking about a way of seeing the world. See, we all sadly know someone who stopped dreaming and hoping years ago because of a closed mindset. I can think of a loved one, someone who I care about deeply. And often when I talk to this person, it's as if there's a no over their life. They just don't see opportunity. They don't see that good things could happen to them. The mindset is always there's not enough. We could never do that. We could never afford that. I think about what God taught me about this years ago when Amy and I, we first moved to, to Westchester almost 10 years ago now. And 
We moved from Western New York here to Westchester, and it was the greatest financial leap of faith we've ever taken in our life to move here and to start this church. First of all, how many of you know there was a little bit of a cost of living adjustment moving from Western New York to come to this area, right, to the New York City area? And for the first time in my life, I went on missionary support, which means I had to raise my own salary, okay? I had always been a pastor in an established church before that. For the first time in my life, I had to raise our salary so we could afford to live here, and I had to raise the funds to help start this church, and it was difficult. It was not easy. We were living by faith. I was like Bon Jovi. I was living on a prayer, like, God, you got to provide for this church plant to happen, and it was not easy. It was a scary, scary time, and I remember, you know, during that season when we were fundraising and raising the money for this church, I remember calling our, our church accountant at the time. We had a mother church that was handling our finances and her name was Lisa. And I remember going over our account at that time and recognizing that within about two weeks, we were going to run out of money. And I remember saying to Lisa, like, well, obviously we're not going to be able to take a paycheck because there's not enough money. And that very week, when I made that same phone call, we had one of our largest fundraising weeks and, and donations came in and God provided for our needs and built our faith. I remember another time when we first started the church and, and the offerings were so small and here we were, we had rent to pay, we had bills to pay for the church and I'll tell you, it was painful counting the offering during, during that time. I'm not even involved in the offering anymore, but those days, it was painful counting the offering and I remember I used to go to a church at the end of my block, there was a Catholic church at the end of my block and I would go there to pray. It was a quiet place. I could get away from the noise of the, of the kids in my house and, and I used to joke and say, I'm Catholic during the week and I'm Protestant on the weekends because I would go pray at the Catholic Church. And I remember one, one day I went to go check our P.O. box and there was an envelope there from a woman who used to send monthly support for our church. And I knew what she sent every month. It was, you know, it was generous of her, but it wasn't going to pay the bills that month. And I put that envelope in my pocket, my jacket pocket, and I went to the Catholic Church to go pray. And I remember crying out to God, like, God, you got to provide. You called us here. You put this dream in our hearts. Like, you got to provide for the finances for us, for, for this church. And I cried out to God. And I kid you not, when I got home, I opened that envelope and that check had an extra zero in it. I'm telling you, as I was crying out to God for provision, the provision was in my jacket pocket. Guys, you can't make this stuff up. And I learned during that season not to have a scarcity mindset. Church, what I learned in that season that God is a big God who has all the resources we need and we can trust him. He's a generous God. And I want to pass that mindset on to my kids. I want my boys to, to have a, a, a mind and a heart of faith to believe that they can be generous, that they can trust God because God has all the resources we need. Come on, somebody came to church this afternoon and you need to hear that. He's the God who can supply every need in your life. He's a God who's faithful. He's a God of abundance. And I want to encourage you to hold on to him. Hold on to him. We can always find a reason why something can't be done or why we don't have enough. And pride and fear and a scarcity mentality kept Saul locked up in excuses. And I just wonder if any of you in this place recognize some of your excuses in Saul's excuses. Come on, I wonder if you've been a little bit driven by pride and you find yourself blaming things on other people instead of taking responsibility for where you're at in this season of life. Or I wonder if, if you're finding fear is motivating your decisions, fear of failure, fear of rejection. Or maybe you find yourself saying all the time, we just don't have enough. I don't have the connections. I don't have the resources. So what do we do? What do we do? Number three, here we go. Here's what we do. We overcome excuses with faith. We overcome excuses 
with faith. See, it's so powerful to me that the servant chose to see through the eyes of faith rather than the excuses and scarcity. The servant, he saw through the eyes of faith rather than excuses and scarcity. When Saul pushes back on his idea, notice the servant's response in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 8. It says, the servant answered him again. Look, he said, I have a quarter of a shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God so that he will tell us which way to take. Come on, the servant says, we don't have nothing. We got something. At least I've got a quarter of a shekel of silver. Now, according to Pastor Matt in the book, he says that that was, a, that was roughly equivalent to $6.70. That wasn't a lot of money, but you got to love the servant. He's like, we got something to work with. It's not much, but we've at least got a quarter of a shekel of silver. We can take that to the man of God. Church, here's what I want you to understand. Saul almost missed his destiny because of $6.70. He almost missed out on the purpose that God had for his life. And I want you to know this, that your little bit of faith is worth a lot more than you think. Your little bit of faith is worth a lot more than you realize. You know, I think back about those early years of us starting this church. I mentioned that before. I think about how we moved here to Westchester and we came full of faith with a dream in our hearts, a vision in our hearts to plant a life-giving church and to reach people and to make a difference in, in this region. And to be honest with you, I got here full of faith, and then things got difficult. Things got a lot harder before they got easier. Things got a lot more difficult before they got better. And we had all the financial challenges that I told you about. We had some personal challenges in our family. And I wish I could tell you that people flocked to us to help us start this church, but there weren't a lot of people around that were believing in the vision and helping us. And things got hard. And I began to run out of faith. I began to believe more that we would fail then we would succeed. I have to confess that to you. I went through a season of, of believing that it wasn't gonna work out. And you know, the reality is fear is just faith negatively applied. <laughs> you know, the scripture says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We walk by faith, not by sight. That's faith, right? Well, guess what fear is? Fear is the substance of things dreaded. The evidence of things not seen. You haven't seen it work out, but you're dreading and you're believing that it's going to work out in the worst case scenario. That's what fear does. We start imagining the very worst case things, but oftentimes don't even come to pass. And so the reality is during that difficult season, there were plenty of days that instead of getting up and doing everything I could do, working like everything depended on me and praying like everything depended on God, I made a lot of excuses. I was excusing my purpose away. I was telling myself things like, well, you moved here, you tried, you raised some money, you cast the vision, you tried to gather some people, it didn't work out. And I started coming up with plan B and plan C and plan D. But here's what I'm thankful for, church. I'm thankful that faith doesn't really come from us. Faith is the gift from God. I'm thankful for mustard seed faith. How many of you remember Jesus talking about mustard seed faith in the gospels? The smallest of all seeds, right? Jesus said, if you have just a tiny little bit of faith, you can move mountains. And I'm thankful for different seasons when it was difficult that Jesus breathed faith into me and he gave me mustard seed faith. I'm thankful that he gave me just enough faith to open up my house and start having home gatherings so I could cast the vision for this church almost 10 years ago. I'm thankful that he gave me just enough faith 
to go start a Sunday night service at a little Episcopal church in Harrison for $100 a week. Come on, church, the price was right. I could believe I had enough faith for $100 a week rent. <laughs> Mustard seed faith. I'm thankful that he gave me enough faith to send out a 50,000-piece mailer inviting people to the grand opening of our church. I'm thankful that he gave us just enough faith to gather some friends and family and the few launch team members that we had to go up to the AMC Theater right down there on Westchester Ave. And some of you were here during those early days and to set that movie theater up and turn it into a church and launch our church. Not knowing if anybody was gonna show up, but guess what? That first Sunday, 135 people showed up, amen? And we never looked back. Now, half of that showed up the next week. <laughs> That's how it goes. But I'm so thankful for a God who gave me mustard seed faith when I needed it. And here's what I want you to know today, church. Your purpose lies just on the other side of your excuses. And sometimes the excuses we're making, we're literally excusing away the purpose of God for our lives. We all have a choice to make. We can either see through the, through the eyes of pride and fear and scarcity, or we can see through the eyes of faith. See, some of us in here, we need a new prescription. We need a new prescription for our eyesight. Come on, where are the people in here? You wear glasses like me. I actually have my contacts in right now. Some of you I don't know it, but I'm like blind as a bat. If I didn't have my contacts in right now, like you'd have to lead me around this place. I need glasses. I need contacts. And sometimes over time, your eyes actually get worse. Some of you middle-aged people, you're recognizing, I need reading glasses. Some of us, we need to upgrade in our prescription so that we can see clearly. We've been seeing through cloudy lenses, the lenses of fear, and pride and a scarcity mindset when we need fresh vision to see through the eyes of faith. Like God help me to see through the eyes of faith. See, Saul, he almost missed his destiny because of excuses. And that doesn't have to be your story. His story was that he almost missed out on being anointed the next king, the first king of Israel, because that's what would happen. He would meet Saul, Samuel, and Samuel would pray over him and anoint him as king. He almost missed out because of his excuses. And so let me leave you with this final thought, church. When it comes to pursuing our purpose, we can either make excuses or we can make a difference, but we can't do both. We can either make excuses or we can make a difference, but we can't do both. Nobody who ever made a difference with their life got lost and caught up in excuses. No, they leaned into their purpose. They moved forward in faith, trusting God, doing the best they could with what they had. You'll never move forward if you just hold on to excuses and excuse away your purpose. And so here's what I wanna do. I wanna take some time to pray for you today. I wanna invite you just to bow your heads in prayer during this moment, just for a few moments of silence between you and the Holy Spirit just to get honest with the Lord today. And I wanna ask you a few questions and I believe he's gonna to begin to speak to you. Here's the first one, number one, what excuses have you been making? What excuses have you been making? What, where do you find yourself saying, but I know what I need to do, but what is that excuse in your life? And what God honoring purpose have you been excusing away? What is that thing that God is leading you to, he's calling you to, Maybe it's to be a better spouse. Maybe it's to be the 
mother or father, for those of you who have parents, that God is calling you to be. Maybe it's to be the brother, the sister, the daughter, the friend, the follower of Jesus that he's calling you to be. Maybe he's been calling you to spend more time with him, to get into church regularly on Sunday mornings, to spend time reading your Bible, to pray during the week, and you've been excusing it away, saying, I don't have enough time, but you're missing out on the purpose that God has, has for your life. Number two, here's another question. What area of your life have you been living by pride, fear, and scarcity instead of faith? Where have you been blaming other people for where you're at in life? Instead of just receiving some healing and dealing with what you've contributed to you being where you are in this season of life, where has fear been affecting your decisions, fear of rejection, fear of failing, fear of what people think about you? Where have you found yourself thinking with a scarcity mindset? I just don't have enough. Instead of looking at what you have and realizing I might only have $6.70, but with God's blessing, it's enough to move forward. And now can we name those things and just bring them to God and just call them what they are? Instead of rationalizing them away, let's call them what they are, their excuses. We're going to ask God to help us. Would you pray with me? Just right where you are. Let's take those things to God today. Father, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you that you are a good, loving, heavenly Father. You're the God who wants to order our steps. You're the God who's working out your purposes for our lives. You're the God who works all things together for the good of those who love you, who are called according to your purpose. And God, you're working behind the scenes of our lives, even when we don't understand it. And Lord, today we bring our excuses to you. We just call them what they are. We don't want to be lost in excuses and excusing away the purposes that you have for us. We give them to you today. Father, I'm praying for every person in this place who needs to take ownership for where they are, that you would give them the courage to do that, to experience healing and to move forward and accept what we've done to contribute to where we are. God, I'm praying today that that fear would be lifted off of us, that you would replace the lens of fear and that you give us new eyes, fresh eyes to see, a fresh perspective of our lives that we would see through the eyes of faith today, how you're wanting to lead us. And Lord, today that you would set us free from a scarcity mindset that says we don't have enough to recognize, God, the little we have and resources and time and money and ability. God, with your blessing, they're enough. What we have in you is enough because you, God, you are a God of abundance. And so, Father, give us eyes to see all that you're calling us to do, who you're calling us to become, to move forward, God, even when we're afraid to do so, knowing, God, that you are with us every step of the way. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org or follow us on social media.